This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, New Jerseyans and everyone else who's a fan of the New Jersey Devils. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. We are jubilant today as it is our recap episode of the week's games, which included two wins against uh, one team that, you know, hasn't been doing so well and another team that's been doing incredibly well. And the Devils managed to win both of those games, allowing two goals each time. And they've defeated the Rangers and the Bruins this week. We're just coming to you after the Bruins game. John, how are you feeling? I am in a state of weird wonderfulness because Dan, I think we need, I need to set the stage here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's take a step back for a moment here. Okay. On Tuesday, the devils went to Manhattan to the world's most overrated arena to play our hated rivals, the New York Rangers, a New York Rangers team that would want some revenge since the devils beat them in New York way back in January, about a month ago. Not only that, that said Rangers team has, basically been the worst team in the East division while New Jersey and Buffalo were, um, you know, suffering a pandemic Mm -hmm. with the coronavirus. Multiple New Jersey Devils players have revealed since they returned to practice on Sunday that they had the coronavirus. Palmieri had symptoms felt days after that infamous January 31st game uh, at Buffalo and other players like Jack Hughes said he caught it and others were, you know, were, were in contact and were at risk as well. It wasn't just like one player and 17 other guys just got contacted for six, for, you know, two weeks. Mm-hmm. They had the virus, Dan. Right. Important players. Yes. Players that Players that are crucial to this team's success. It would have been impossible for the amount of players to be out with no important players missing. Well, that's true, yes. <laughs> but here's the thing, Dan. All signs pointed to the New York Rangers winning that game on Tuesday because as, as bad as the Rangers have been, they've at least been playing games. They've been practicing they have not been sullied by the pandemic. Well, the Rangers they were had also every reason. Well, they were approaching beat. that game without uh, Artemi Panarin and Keandre Miller as well. True. Yeah, they were at 100 percent, but they also excised the locker room cancer in Tony D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. So in the, you would think the team would at least have a little more cohesion in the locker room, a little more willingness, a little more effort to use <laughs> some terms. And the Devils, Dan, went out onto the ice at Madison Square Garden. And out attempted them 27 to 16 in the first period and outshot them 16 to 9. Yeah. The Devils didn't just come out hot, Dan. They basically schooled the Rangers. They 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 dumped their books, they gave them a wedgie and stole their lunch money. They, and if it wasn't for Igor Shesterkin, they would have won that game outright in the first period. Yeah, they did everything they needed to do in that first except score a goal. Exactly. And then the second period came, and that's where you start being concerned about, oh, you know. The issues are back, and maybe this is where the fatigue and the lack of sharpness is coming in because the Devils end that first period with a power play, continues into the fir- into the second period, and the Devils proceed to demonstrate why every Devils fans hate power plays at this moment because <laughs> the Devils would just give up pucks everywhere, which was the main theme of that second period, which was giving up pucks in their own end and giving up pucks in the neutral zone. <laughs> until, 
a hero emerged. <laughs> a hero emerged on a power play, Dan, yeah. of all things. But Le- Pavel Zaka. What a guy. Wired. Wired. What a week a for this man. man. He wired a wrist shot to the top corner like his name was Kyle Palmieri. Yeah, and he felt to score the game's first goal, to score a power play goal, and to get the Devils up one nothing. And then the turnovers resumed, and the Rangers got back and, you know, tied up the game. Mm -hmm. The aforementioned turnovers, a really bad one by Connor Carrick, who made his season debut. Uh, It's worth noting that while the Devils had enough players to come back on play on Tuesday, not everybody was off the list. And oh, yeah, Ryan Murray got sick, Mm -hmm. not with coronavirus, just sick. Mm -hmm. So this meant Will Butcher and Connor Carrick had to make their season debuts. Butcher played well. Carrick did not. And Carrick was paired with Matt Tennyson, who also did not play well. And thankfully, that disastrous pairing only conceded one goal against. And um, and then some wackiness occurred involving the aforementioned Butcher. Towards the end of the second period, Butcher figures, hey, I see Pavel Zaka in front of the net. I'm just going to wing it past to him. It bounced off a Ranger and went past Shesterkin to make it 2-1. Yeah, it was uh, Lafreniere's stick that got the uh, the tip on it um, as it bounced behind uh, Shesterkin. The Devils have a 2-1 lead and had the opportunity to stretch it further. But as has happened too many times in the past, the second they took a lead and had a good opportunity to stretch it, they'll miss a wide open net and going back the other way. It's a tying goal. And unfortunately, it happened against Nick Merkley. Um, I will say that in this game, Jack Hughes's line was pretty much kept in check. It was a pretty meh game from Hughes, Janssen and Brat. Mm-hmm. But it was an excellent game for Zaka, Merkley and Kwakanen, with the exception of this shift. Mm-hmm where Merkley managed to see a puck just glide by him while he's sticking to his man. It was a classic case of he's playing his man and not the puck. And you, and, and given the situation, maybe he didn't know what the, the clock was telling him, but that was a situation where you should have sold out to get that puck and do anything possible to keep it away from the blue line. And if it did go past the blue line, get it away from a ranger. But instead, it gets recovered by the ranger, and it gets tossed one pass, two pass, Buknevich, fires it in. Black would probably wish he had another chance at that shot, but I, I blame Merkley for not making the play in the neutral zone. Well, yeah, I was going to say, you know, uh, despite all that, Blackwood still got, managed to get a pretty good read on it, and this yeah, is the one goal a month that you can say, okay, he kind of wanted that one back. Right. So at the same time, so again, let's add to the situation here. Not only do we have a pandemic recovering New Jersey Devils, playing against a hated rival who wants some revenge over the last loss. And they needs a win. The they need a win. They, they had only won the one game badly. since dropping D'Angelo. Exactly. They need a W. And they just tied it up to, clo- to go into the second intermission. For a lot of teams, you would say the team that just scored at the end of the second period would go on to control the third and win the game and everybody is happy in the hometown. That is not what happened. The Devils and I hate to use these terms because it goes against what I believe in as a hockey blogger, mm-hmm. but they demonstrated character. They demonstrated will. Chris Kreider said after the game that the Devils wanted this game more, and that was absolutely a thousand percent apparent with how the game went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Merkley Devils... and uh, Kwakanen and Zaka saw that mistake at the end of the second and took it very personally, to say the least. Absolutely. They not only took it personally, they redeem themselves it took a little time before the redemption came because the first breakthrough Mm -hmm. from all the results came from pk suban 
who actually had a very good game. Yeah. And he had a good game with the debuting Butcher next to him for most of his uh, time in 5-on-5. Five five. Subban finally decided to not fake his slap shot and just fire a wrister from a long ways away. And Igor Sharangovich gets a tip on it, and that breaks the score wide open of what was otherwise a contentious. And I would say, you know, the shots were even, but the Devils had better scoring chances. They had better quality chances in that period. Mm -hmm. And the five-on-five numbers back that up. Um, But it breaks it open at 3-2, and then the Devils, they don't relent, and then we get the redemption shift. Yes. Yeah. So do you want to walk us through that? I just want to mention um, Sharon Govich, his second goal of the season, both of his goals. It's a bit of a spoiler, but they're both game winning goals now. So if he keeps scoring in choice situations, we take that all day. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so so the shift itself first, the the real play begins with a good shot on net by um, goodness. I just said I would walk you through it, and I'm completely blanking on who took the initial shot. <laughs> there's a shot the on point, that. <laughs> there's a shot on it. The pop, the puck just pops up, and there's just kind of like a race for it, right? And then Quackenin picks it up, eventually picks it up, win, wins the battle. Actually, no, I take it back. Zaka gets the puck. Mm-hmm. There's a battle behind the net. Eventually, Quackenin gets it and takes it out of the corner, and he sees Merkley in the in, inside of the, of the uh, near side circle, near side to the broadcast. And Quackenin just fires a sharp pass right to him. Perfect. You know, the puck was, you know, perfectly placed. It wasn't rolling. It wasn't flipping on itself. It was a solid textbook pass to the man. Merkley just one-timed it, not even thinking a second time about it. And it just shot beautifully to the top corner, far post past Shesterkin. It's now four to two. It's Quackenin's third assist of the game. And you're just like, oh my goodness, the Devils have a lead mm-hmm. of more than one goal. They could win this game. And what makes it even sweeter, Dan, is that this came fairly late in the third period. Now the Rangers had effectively seven opponents. They had the five Devil skaters, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, who had a stellar game, uh, Butchnevich goal notwithstanding, and the clock, <laughs> their, their seventh opponent to compete against. And the Devils put on a master class of really shutting down our hated rivals. Even with guys like Mikhail Maltsev making his debut, killing off clock at the end of the game and getting the empty net goal from Palmieri. And seeing guys like Sharon Govich or even Miles Wood and Nathan Bastion and Michael McLeod getting shifts against six skaters for the Rangers. And they got the job done. They won battles. They did all the little things that you need to win these types of situations. And the Devils got the empty netter to win comfortably five to two in their return from the coronavirus outbreak break that they had. Mm -hmm. And the hockey gods were looking upon this game and they were thinking, well, that's a nice uh, little deferment by Kyle Palmieri, the grizzled veteran who is in a scoring slump to give the pass to Mikhail Maltsev to score his first NHL goal. I mean, an empty netter is an empty netter, but a goal is also a goal. And it was just as important uh, to get that avenue open for him. And it was important to see Palmieri still doing things like that and being a good teammate. Um, And karmically, the hockey god said, let's reward this man. As we move two days later to today, where they played the Boston Bruins. And what happened in this game is that Kyle Palmieri finally, finally busted his long, long scoring slump. And we're going to, you know, that first period from the Devils featured some stellar play from the first line again. um, But it remained scoreless after the first. And, you know, Blackwood wasn't 
tested too too much but um, no you know boston's inherently dangerous with the talent they have but that first line of the devils uh Janssen, hughes brat annoyed them so much in the first period that they decided to just go after them and beat them to death instead of trying to chase them when they realized they couldn't catch up because the rest of the game was spent pretty much assaulting those three players on the ice by the boston bruins out of frustration but that wasn't before the score change in the Devils' favor, where Kyle Palmieri gave them a lead, and um, they would not relinquish it. Yeah, I mean, the Boston Bruins, say what you want about So the Devils just played our hated rivals in the Rangers on Tuesday, and I think they have a competition with Buffalo for being the worst team in the East. There is no argument that Boston is the best team in the East division. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that they're the best team in the league. And this is a team that is... Heading into this game is 4-0 on their home rink. They won all their games at home. They did not play the previous four days. They got a break in the schedule due to postponements and all that. So Boston's fully rested for this game. And they're coming against, and, and as Lindy Ruff said, uh, as he as Ken Danico relayed on the broadcast tonight, that you know the second game after a long layoff tends to be tougher than the first one because the first one you got all this energy pent up. You had the adrenaline going. But it's the second game where you start realizing, okay, it's not all going to be peaches and cream here. You know, the that extra level of energy just may not be there. And you're doing it against a top-class team, which we saw a lot of in the first period. Whereas the Devils managed to keep the Bruins shotless for 10 minutes. (laughs) And the shots in the first period were still like 7-7. to Yeah. (laughs) Which tells you that Boston is an incredibly good team in their own end of the rink. Even when the devils made great looking passes, you think, Oh, there's going to be an open shot here. There's going to be an open one timer. Nope. There's a Bruin in the way. There's a poke check. There's a stick check. There's a leg in the lane. There's always something. Um, But the second period is where things started to open up and it opened up with brilliance from Jack Hughes, the big deal, the 14 extra pounds of muscle drawing two Bruins in a two on three (laughs) and (laughs) and dropping a sick, drop pass to Kyle Palmieri who beat the third man in the two on three yep. <laughs> and just went in and, and beat Halak short side. And I am sure he felt like the lightest man in the world, the pride of Montvale, New Jersey, finally, finally after 11 games gets his first of the season. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was cathartic for him. You can see the whole bench just it, so happy for him. Jack Hughes is, basically just giving him a noogie on the bench and enjoy a pure celebration of um you know it has been obvious to a lot of people that while palmary has been doing good things on the ice the results haven't been coming and so this is just such a huge deal for them especially against a team like boston and palmary wasn't done there palmary proceeded to also score a shorthanded goal which is an absolute rarity for the devils considering the sorry state of their special teams uh more on that in a minute but the the play was uh developed between brat knocking the puck loose and suban or sorry severson flipping it up to palmary or the other way around yeah um yeah, eventually they, they changed the assists around a bunch of times, but eventually it became brought to Severson to Palmieri. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the same, the puck got up to Palmieri all alone up in the Boston zone. Palmieri just took it in and beat Halak five-hole to make it 2 nothing at the time. And that was a big, big relief because the reason why the Devils were on that penalty kill, which was their first penalty kill since the Buffalo games, because mm-hmm. they took no penalties except for a fighting major in Tuesday's game. But... P.K. Subban decided, hey, we have a power play. 
I'm going to get my stick up high on this player. Oh, I drew blood. Yep. I'm going to sit for four minutes. Yeah, that was on and, Anders Bjork. Yeah, that was a – and it was on the in the offensive zone too. So he, thank you, P.K. Subban, for killing the devil's power play, maybe mercy killing more like, <laughs> and um, you know, putting your team down quite a few minutes. But Palmieri scoring that goal was like, okay, maybe it's not going to be so bad. And the Devils did pretty well for most of that penalty kill until Palmieri got a shift towards the end. Yeah. When he um, tried to backhand it out of a bunch of players. And instead of backhanding it up and out, it managed to, I think it bounced off of somebody or he just botched it completely. Um, it went right to Jake DeBrusque, who was in front of that all alone. And he just beat Blackwood dead to rights and made it 2-1. Yeah. That's so, a power play goal allowed for those keeping track at home. Yep, so, but hey, it was a net positive of zero. <laughs> it wasn't negative one. You know what, that's then. true. And against a power play like Boston's, I guess you take that. And given the situation, too, it wasn't, it was longer than two minutes. Mm -hmm. It was, um, you know, the second part of a four-minute double minor. So, you know, Subang was out of the box right away. And that was a fortunate thing because the Devils, for that second period, even though only 11 minutes of it was in five-on-five, five, the Devils beat the crap out of the Bruins in five-on-five five play, which is... A weird thing to say out loud, but it legitimately happened. They outshot him eight to two in five on five play. And shortly after the goal by DeBrusque, they got a brilliant looking five on five goal. Yeah. Would you like to take us through that one, Dan? Oh, man. I mean, this was such a nice play by Pavel Zaka coming into the zone, spin moving on a bunch of Bruins defenders, dishing it off to Janssen on the right side. And as Zaka drifts to the left after the pass, Boston Bruins lose him, uh, and namely former devil John Moore loses him in translation. What? John Moore losing a guy? Yeah, weird. Never. Super strange, but Janssen doesn't lose Zaka. Instead, he sees him exactly where he is, throws it to him, and Zaka absolutely buries it uh, over Halak for a 3-1 lead and maybe the nicest... Um, play for a goal that Zaha has had in his career. It may not be the nicest goal that he scored, but it's definitely the nicest play he's created from what I can remember. Yeah, that spin move is pretty much end-of-season highlight reel worthy mm -hmm. or uh, career highlight worthy. <laughs> I mean, it was just it was just magisterial. Yep. And um, it caps off a wonderful week and a wonderful run of games for Zaka. He's been remarkably productive, so... You know, I know I've had my beefs with him. You've had your beefs with him. I think every New Jersey Devils fan has had beefs with the man because uh, mm -hmm. of, you know, hey, like, where's the points, man? Right. But he's on a four-game point streak now, Dan. Mm -hmm. The Zaka the Zaka hotness is a, a real thing right now. And that's and, what you uh, get when the first line slows down a little bit. The other lines have picked up the slack, unlike in Devils teams of the past, where if the first line's not going nobody's doing anything, but every line is contributing to at least moving the play uh, forward. Even that fourth line of, you know, McLeod, Wood, Bastion um, has still caused so much grief for so many defenders that uh, they end up having long shifts and hemming in the Bruins for long periods at a time. It's it's every line that's capable of doing it now. And it's, it's hard, you know, you look at this team and you wonder who is going to be the odd man out because uh, when Nico Heischer comes back, I mean, no one really deserves to be pulled, but someone's going to have to be pulled because Heischer represents, you know, he does represent an upgrade over a lot of the options they currently have. But it's a shame because everyone's been doing such a good job. Yeah. And 
the benefit is, and this is an easy sell to these younger players, is that, look, you're not going to play tonight, but let's be real. You're, we're, the Devils are going to be playing three to four games every week mm. for the rest of this season due to the rescheduling that the, the NHL announced back on Tuesday. They might not have a full practice for the rest of the year. No, Lindy Ruff has already said we're done with full practices. Yeah. <laughs> so, that I mean, and that makes sense. You look at the schedule, it's like, when are you going to have time for a full practice? Right. Like, you literally are going to play every other day. Or you're playing, you're going to play back to back every weekend up until the first one in April, and even then you're playing two and three nights. Um, I could just see you know, situations no where like certain units would go onto the ice and oh, to work on yeah. specific things because uh, the penalty kill needs to get on the ice a bit more. Um, and so does the power play. Um, yeah, so let's true. let's jump into the third period. So the Devils close out this second period three one, mm -hmm. and then the Devils just continue going strength to strength in the third period against Boston. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Boston's starting to put press a little bit more because, hey, they're down two goals in their own rank. But that's when you see units, especially Miles Wood, doing a great job just using their speed, using their quickness, using their tenacity to just push play forward. An early zone exit means, hey, Wood's going to just fly up on ice and take a shot on net. Cool. That helps. It keeps Boston back. And the Devils did a very good job of that for 18 minutes. What they didn't do a good job, Dan, <laughs> was that when Boston gifted them two penalties in a row mm -hmm. in the middle uh, around the middle of this period. Uh, Palmieri takes a good shot on net almost, you know, Halak gives up a big juicy rebound. Palmieri cuts to the middle of the slot to uh, recover it. He curls, he gets taken down. And then while the devils were kind of, how do I put this politely here? Failing to break out of their own zone on a power play because Brad Marchand is being a Brad Marchand. He decided I'm upset with how everything's going. I'm going to high stick Jack Hughes in the mouth. Yeah, and he looked like he wanted to hit him and then decided not to and just to shove his stick into his mouth. So yeah. very clear the frustration he was feeling there, but the Devils manifested nothing on this opportunity. No, they, had, they, they had a one minute and 25 second five on three. I will say this. I'm glad we did not see the M formation that we saw under the Heinz era when they had five on threes where – I hate that formation because it puts two players on the goal line and basically tells the other team, hey, look, two guys are not going to turn and shoot this puck because mm -hmm. we put them on the goal line. But the Devils, look, Boston is one of the best penalty killing teams in the league, so I will give them credit for that. Like, you know, Patrice Bergeron is a penalty killing master. They have the they have fantastic personnel that does this. So it's not like the Devils were playing against scrubs uh, on the penalty kill. That being said, if you get a five on three, you got to get some real shots on net yeah. here. On like, net is just... key here. They had shots. They all just completely whiffed. Exactly. I understand you're looking for Palmieri to get the hat trick or, or whatever, but you know, you're it's three, one, you're on the road. You have a glorious opportunity to make it four, one and just basically put the game to bed. And you didn't. And not only did you not do that, but shortly after the five on three portion ended, you give up a shorthanded opportunity to the Bruins, and then you spend the next minute or the next two shifts in your own end basically running around like crazy. Mm -hmm. And then we wind the yep. game down to 2.11 left in the third right. period where Ty oh, Smith right. has yeah. made a rookie mistake. As he's trying to clear the zone, he fails to hit the glass, and it puck goes over the glass for a delay of game penalty, which is... You know, this isn't the best timing for it. Up 3-1 against a team who has one of the best power plays in the league and have had it for about five years. Um, bad things are going to happen if you give them that kind of opportunity. And bad things did happen as a speculative shot by David Pasternak hit Kulikov's stick in front and uh, directed over Blackwood. And before this, Blackwood was, 
I wouldn't say standing on his head necessarily because he didn't have to, but he was definitely making some high quality saves. And at one, he was mo- asked to do work. Yeah, he he was definitely called upon in the third more than the other two periods. Um, and after the Bruins scored another power play goal allowed, by the way, by the Devils, uh, they had to f- ward off the Bruins for the final minute and six seconds. And the Bruins' best opportunity came with about three seconds left as Blackwood slid across the crease to stop Pasternak point blank and give the Devils the win. In 190 minutes of hockey against the Boston Bruins, who currently lead the East Division, the Devils have given up zero, that's right, zero even strength goals. Yep, and on top of that, it, it, the penalty, the power play goal against, the second one, was especially frustrating because the Devils, in my opinion, were playing very smart hockey in the minutes prior to Smith's penalty. Smith's penalty was just an accident. You know, puck's on edge, he's trying to do the right thing and chip it off the boards and out, and it got away from him. You know, that stuff unfortunately happens. And as you said, Boston made him pay because they're very good at that. But yeah, it's a fantastic, you know, as much as I've been saying, you know, five on five, five on five, five on five, here are the numbers for that third period, Dan. The Devils were out attempted 18 to 12. Mm -hmm. They were only outshot eight to six in five on five play. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's fantastic against a team like Boston, especially considering you have the lead. Yeah. Like if, if there's any team in the in this division, maybe Washington probably would conceivably do more damage. And we'll find out on Sunday if they do mm-hmm. uh, that. If there's a team that wants to almost will their way to the net and just say, you know what? We have we're more talented than you. We're just going to we're, we're going to take over this game. It's Boston. And there were some set, there were some shifts where it felt like that was finally happening. And then the devil just shut it down and kept them honest. And, you know, it's like, oh, my goodness, Miles Wood just goes off on a one on one with a defender and, hey, he gets a shot on that and forces the Bruins to hang back for an extra 30 seconds. Like that's the sort of stuff that helps you win these games. And that's why the power play goal against was so crushing, because now it's like, oh, no, it's one. They only need one shot to win, uh, tie it up. And if there's one team that can score on one shot. It's the Boston Bruins. Yeah, or yeah, and it would Tampa be David, or something. But yeah, in the yeah, East and, Division, and, and, and from David and, and from David Pasternak of all people. Yep. It's not Sean Corrali. It's not uh, you know Connor Clifton. It's David Pasternak, mm-hmm. a premier goal scorer in this world. And Blackwood, and Blackwood stands Blackwood tall. Blackwood denies him. Blackwood stands tall. That's a credit to this team's again, and I hate to use these terms, but it's a credit to the team's character that you know. Any some some teams would just collapse after a power play goal like that late. They would just be absolutely beaten dead to rights, and you know you have to almost pray that they would survive those one you know those seventy six seconds to end the game. I mean, let's be real. Most Devils team of the last decade would have collapsed oh, in absolutely. that situation. Exactly, and and some of them would be because they weren't good enough, and some of them would be because they didn't have the right mentality, and often cases it's usually a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Devils, you know didn't get on themselves. They didn't feel sorry for themselves. They went out there and they worked. And what was impressive about both wins, Dan, just to put a nice bow on these two games, is that the Devils got contributions throughout their lineup. Like in the game against Boston, for example, you had the return of Dmitry Kulikov from the COVID list and the debut of Sammy Vatanen. And they had a very solid game in five on five. Mm-hmm. Very good work from these guys. Kulikov, you know, you worry about guys coming back from the, from the COVID list from a long time. And Kulikov played like he never left which was fantastic. And you got result. You got good. Another good game out of miles. Wood. you got another, you finally got two goals from Paul Mary. So he's feeling good, even though he unfortunately assisted on DeBrusque's goal. Yeah. Uh, Jack Hughes and his line had a fantastic night. Um, even though he didn't score in a one-on-one, Andreas Johansson is finding ways to get opportunities and help create a, a goal for Zaka. Um, you're getting 
contributions up and down the lineup. And what we saw from the Rangers and why they lost that game is because they their depth sucks and has nothing good to look forward to. And Boston, one of the reasons why they're the best team in the East is because that team is stacked from line one to line four, from pairing one to pairing three. Everybody knows their role and knows what to do. And the Devils, of all teams, a team that logically we would say, oh, you know, they've had the coronavirus and they, they don't maybe not have a whole lot to play for. And they got a new coach and they don't have he sure and they don't have this guy. And, you know, you know, they, they're going to have a come down game. You know, Boston just doesn't lose game at home. And they beat Boston for the first time this season in Boston. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's Boston's first loss at home this season. This Devils team did that. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. That's, that's three the, straight wins for them, too. That's their first winning streak. Dan, this, these last two games are the sort of games where you just have, at the end of both, you just go, you love to see it. I love to see it. I love the Devils. You love the Devils. And the Rangers suck forever. Yeah, I mean, so. It's just fantastic time. You couldn't ask for a better return to play. The Devils are now 6-3-2. and two, um, And they, I just want to use this time to remind people to uh, check their expectations for this team. They might be 6-3-2 and two now, but. We've seen them start better than this and collapse. And remember the main goal of this season going into it. I'm not saying let's not hope for the playoffs, but the main goal is progress. The main goal is to see how the young players can develop in their first year under a lot of duress. How can they maintain this level of consistency so far? Because with the exception of one game, they've been either tied or leading in every third period that they've played so far. They have been at least tied or leading uh, at some point in the third period of every game they've played so far. And that's a great sign. That's something that says that a lot of this play is sustainable. Of course, they still have a lot to work on, mainly special teams, but also some you know, silly mistakes in decision making. But if they don't make the playoffs, but they keep playing like this, it is OK. It is the progress yeah. that you want to see. And everyone, please remember that only the top four spots in the East get in and the Devils are not in control of how much the top four teams in the East beat up on everyone else. Exactly. And we're going to unfortunately, the other reality is the fact that now that the games have been rescheduled for the Devils, they're going to be playing a lot of games in a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Like their next week is four games in seven days. The following week, four days, four games in seven days. The following week after that four, you have to go. Oh, goodness. You have to go to the end of March before you get to a week where they don't play four games in seven nights. Yeah. Like from Sunday to Saturday, like that is their schedule that will, you know, that's the sort of thing where those are the types of schedules where teams will wear down at some point. And in a way, that's why it's a benefit that you're getting contributions from the likes of Maltsev, Butcher, Sharon Govich, um, you know, uh, Bastion, Wood, McLeod, you know, guys that may not necessarily have their li- place in the lineup set in stone, but you know, you're going to rotate them in and out. So even if, as you say, he should returns, Gusev returns. And you're going to have to sit. Zajac, exactly. When Zajac returns, because Zajac was playing fantastic hockey before he unfortunately got sick. Um, and Murray coming back too. You know, the, this, what you tell the guy to say, hey, I'm putting you on the taxi squad. You just tell him, look, just be real. You, you're not going to be on this taxi squad for a very long time. You're coming. You're going to be coming back soon because mm-hmm. guys are going to get bumps and bruises. Guys are going to need a rest. Some guys are going to have some poor performances that, you know, will warrant a game off or two. And as such, they're going to get opportunities to play. And hopefully the Devils can keep their cohesion and keep the morale up because they're going to absolutely have it tested for the rest of the season. Um, Starting, well, I should say continuing (laughs) because 
it, it already started because uh, they got two games coming up for this weekend. Yeah, so what are their opponents this weekend? Well, let's take a look at the Devils' schedule here. It's a busy one, but they return to uh, the proverbial scene of the crime, or rather the proverbial scene of the crime comes to them as the Buffalo Sabres are in town on Saturday, and they go to Washington to face the Capitals on Sunday. And so we'll have an episode after those games, of course, in the interest of our uh, bi-weekly um, by weekly commitment here to make sure we can recap all these games. But yeah, we have the Sabres visiting again. It would be, um, it seems like these two teams came out of the, their respective COVID pauses in completely different places as the Sabres dropped a contest against Washington tonight with much frustration built in. Um, and so the Devils, it would be nice to see them continue their streak against maybe a more vulnerable team than, for example, the Boston Bruins or Washington Capitals. Right. And the Devils fans get familiar with Buffalo and Washington because those are the two opponents the Devils will be playing for the rest of this month. <laughs> I'm just going to spoil the next yeah. four games. It's after Washington on Sunday, they get to host Buffalo, go to Buffalo, host Washington, and then host Washington again. Yeah, it's not not much variance in the schedule. And also they start their series against Washington and they will be finishing their series against Washington um, before they finish their season series against anyone else. So it's going to be interesting to see how they react to playing that type of team. I think, you know, yep. Boston is one thing. They got to see them at the beginning of the season, and obviously they matched up well against them even then. But Washington's a different beast, so we'll see how they perform. Yeah. And we'll see, you know, if this team is to make the playoffs, they have to take as many possible points from teams like the Sabres and Rangers as they can, because every other oh, point they earn will be much harder to earn. Absolutely. And the Devils do have the benefit of still having games in hand on everybody. Um, not so coincidentally, the NHL has uh, added points percentage to the standings list. And so if there are further issues schedule wise uh, for a variety of reasons, um, you know, they may have to decide points percentage being a factor. And right now, the Devils look very good by that. They do. They are in the top four right now based on points percentage, just ahead of Washington because of the fewer games played. But you're absolutely right, Dan. Like if the Devils are going to have any designs or any hopes of getting into that playoff picture, much less getting into the playoffs, they have to get they have to beat up on the Rangers. They have to beat up on Buffalo and they have to steal. Not, maybe not steal, but they have to take whatever wins or whatever points are on the table against the Bostons, the Philadelphias, and coming up soon, the Washingtons of the league. Because that Washington team is also very good. Ovechkin is not of Jenny Malkin. He is still scoring lots of goals. He is still a threat. And that Washington team, you know, they may give up a lot of goals, Dan, but they score a lot of goals. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's going to, you know, Blackwood or... Um, Aaron Dell, who knows, we may get to see Aaron Dell this weekend, um, you know, will will be tested at some point um, by this team. And it's going to be, you know, we're going to and of course, the Devils get to play this team again on the following weekend. So if that first matchup on Sunday doesn't go well, mm -hmm. uh, it's not looking good for the next two. So whatever points you can grab, just grab them and don't worry about it. You know, just keep getting points. That's got to be the mentality from here on out if you really want to make the playoffs. Yeah, in terms of uh, astronomically awesome things that happened today, though, they beat the Boston Bruins. They beat the Rangers on Tuesday, and we landed a rover on Mars. So all really cool things that happened on today, February 18th. And you'll be listening to this hopefully tomorrow, February 19th uh, at time of recording. But 
Um, thanks again for joining us. We'll be back on Monday to recap the weekend's games and go through any outstanding Devils news that we have to clean up, including the one remaining name on the COVID list, Nico Heischer. Um, that's really the bit of news there. And otherwise, it's just seeing who comes and goes off of waivers in the taxi squad as Zajac, Gusev, and Heischer make their way back into the lineup. And Murray, too. It's interesting to see who gets dropped there because everyone's been playing pretty dang well. But until then, that's been our time at Garden State of Hockey. Thanks again for listening, and let's go Devils. Let's rack up some more wins. Absolutely. Go Devils.